Welcome to another episode of the Damage Goods Radio Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts. My name is Matt Dunn, and who do I have here with me in the studio? I am Chris Lahr, a.k.a. DJ Doonsting, and it is so good to be back on the show. It's been so long after a crazy, crazy, crazy year. Has it been a crazy year? Uh, just a little bit. I haven't, I haven't watched the news lately. Anything happening or not really? Apparently, people stopped like going outside and just wanted to hang out inside. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, I should, when I said studio, this is our virtual cyber cyberspace studio, technically. The first, actually, the first socially distanced damaged goods episode. So I'm. Uh, We're breaking barriers here. This year or this past year, 2020, um, it's probably no shocker to anyone, but it was kind of zapped me create creatively a little bit. Because at first, I think you think like, oh, what am I gonna do, like. Just wait for this crap to be over, but then it doesn't end. So <laughs> you sort of, then you, you kind of get used to it and you're like, okay, well, this is how it's going to be for however long. So. And I can only bake so many loaves of bread. I mean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I miss doing this. I absolutely miss the show the, with the, all the lockdowns and the quarantines, with all the so many things. You know, music fest and concert. I miss that. Working at the record store. I miss that. Damaged Goods was definitely one of the ones I really miss because I enjoy doing the show and hanging out with you and talking about all sorts of wild, crazy, fun stuff. And I really missed it. And it's good that we have this virtual format. It was either doing it this way or having Johnny Mnemonic download it into his two meg uh, brain kit and then he walks it over to you and then goes back and forth and <laughs> we tried it it was not efficient exactly so i've kind of um i should say we've come up with a new format here so our show is now on anchor which is through spotify and i would say it was a bit of a dilemma at first without going into the boring details is that you know when you're playing songs on a podcast it's a bit of a confusing legal area so i wanted to find a format where you could legally stream where you felt comfortable legally playing any song on a, on your show because if you want to play a david bowie song you don't want to have to stress about like oh is someone you know someone going to be mad about this violating some type of copyright law um, anchor actually came came through the new format here on the show so now you can hear uh the entire song and show on spotify now if you're if you're a premium spotify member you can hear the full song now even if you have the free spotify version you can hear usually your uh 30 second clip of each song and you can even skip the song if you're like you know what i don't care i just want to hear chris and matt's beautiful voices you can skip the whole songs entirely which is pretty cool actually i think it's a nice format so and who doesn't want to hear us uh talk and engage in uh chippy banter for an hour and a half i mean that's what it's all and if you feel like, you know what, I hate their voices, you can skip that part, too, and just hear the music. Uh, so never do that. All right, right, you shouldn't do that. But um, And, you know, and if you're not on Spotify, you can still, on your on your podcasting format, you can still hear us talking. You can hear the, the um, that part, which obviously is the best part, so. Absolutely. Uh, you know, so it's not, you don't have to be on Spotify to hear the show, at least the talking part. So just keep that in mind with our new format coming forward but I'm, I'm excited about it and i think it gave me some energy to kind of get back into this and you know do this thing i love and do it in a way where i think it can actually 
actually be a really really fun thing to listen to so yeah it's a new experimental way of doing damaged goods and everyone out there listening uh you know all two of our fans that you are <laughs> with us you are part of the grand experiment Isn't that exactly amazing? that's right now the thing is about 2020 was that you know obviously it wasn't it was not a good year however there was a lot of good music that came out in this in that crap year so i wanted to play some stuff from this year that i really liked my favorite album of the year was a band from Australia called Banana Gun. Ooh. And they did they have an album called The True Story Banana Gun and it's it's very psychedelic, tropical kind of vibe going. It was a great summer listen. It has a very almost Brazilian, South American flavor to it. A song on it called Out of Reach we're gonna play. Then we're gonna play a band called Death Valley Girls. We've got some food news coming up for you. We got some music news. Nice. And We've just got some general news of the world, not not the type of news you've been hearing about all the bad stuff. We've got the fun stuff here, so. The stuff they don't want you to hear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I figure everyone knows about all the, the, the crap that's going on, so we'll just give you a break from that and talk about some, some fun stuff. That's right. Here we go. We're going to start it off with the band Banana Gun and this track called Out of Reach. All right, and you just heard... The band Shadow Show with a track called Contessa off of their. These are all tracks from 2020. The track was. Uh, the album is called Silhouettes. And for that, you heard Death Valley Girls with a track called Hold My Hand. Not to be confused with the Hootie and the Blowfish song. That <laughs> <laughs> was off of their Under the Spell of Joy album. And to begin the set, or this year even, for Damage Goods, you heard a song called Out of Reach by a band called Banana Gun. The uh, album is called The True Story of Banana Gun, and that is my Australian track of the year. Woo! Not just the week, but uh, my Australian track of the year. And I really, really dug that. What did, what did you think of those, those tracks? I think Banana Gun is now my new favorite band. Sorry, sorry, Sting and the Police. You're <laughs> Banana Gun, because that, that was fantastic. Um, it was kind of bubbly and effervescent, but... I, I really enjoyed it. Death Valley Girls was really good. Their their lead singer almost sounded like a combination of Cindy Lauper and Susie Sue. I mean, it's weird, but that's just kind of what I heard. And I really, I really dug it. And, and um, Shadow Show was really good too. Um, kind of reminded me of Seagulls a little bit. Seagulls being a, a great, if you're not from the North Carolina, a great local band um, from this area who've always put on a fun show. And I actually. One time I saw them do the Entertainment Tonight theme song. Oh, wow. That would be awesome. <laughs> With the da na 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 uh, The last uh, time I saw them was, a, I think it was like two, maybe three years ago at a, at a day party for Hopscotch at Slim's. And uh, they just played outside under a, one of those canopies, and they they crushed it. They were great. Yeah, yeah, they they always great. And uh, yeah, if you look back in the archives, you can hear we did a couple of interviews with them several years back. Yeah, I did want to mention the band Banana Gun. They actually hit the top 40 albums chart in Australia with that album. Well, and you they, have to have a, a certain degree of quality to reach our Australian track of the week. We just don't give it away. And I just thought it was cool that it hit the top 40. I think they were surprised in a pleasant way by that. But yeah, it's a, it's a great band. And hopefully... As the song says, out of reach, but hopefully I'll get to see them live one day. So. I wonder if uh, one of our fans in Australia hears this is like, they were top 40, you're playing mainstream, you're so <laughs> <laughs> Oi! You know, I mean. 
I know when Subway Day hits the top 40, it doesn't seem like the type of album that would hit the top 40, but that's cool, though. It is cool. It's it's, it's definitely a break from what hits, quote, top 40 radio, that's for sure. I'd rather hear more of that than what I hear today. And I'm not trying to sound like an old guy complaining about new music, but... Kids these days. <laughs> kids, you're killing chilies and playing your rubbish. They were fantastic. Uh, worthy of the track of the year. Um, but yes, you can get it off of their Bandcamp, or you can listen to it as whole albums on Spotify or... I keep wanting to say Google Play. I know it's like YouTube Music now, right? So It's literally the same thing, but they just changed their name from Google Play to YouTube Music. I don't know why. I'll pick um, a bunch of bucks if they change the name. I don't know. I'm ready to jump into it and do a bit of news here. Some music news to even transition. I, technically, it's music and food news all in one. That's, that's the way it should be. Are you ready for some food news? Hit me up with it. So I wanted to ask you about this, Chris. I know we've talked about Waffle House, been on the show before, but did you know that Waffle House has their own music awards? Really? It's like the Waffle House Grammys. What do they call their trophy? It's the Waffle House Toonie Awards. The Toonies. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A little golden waffle on a trophy stand? or? I Well, I'll have to dig in deeper on that one. It's actually a real award show that they have. It's not just like an online thing. They, I think this past year they did it socially distanced but normally it's an actual physical award show that you can attend oh wow that's a yeah. red carpet event and <laughs> they did and they but they did a live stream this past year and i actually watched some of that they have a few awards i thought were interesting there's a waffle house jukebox legend award i love the waffle house jukeboxes they always have songs named after waffles and breakfast items right right exactly so we're going to start off tough here. I'm going to give you a trivia question. Who do you think won the 2020 Waffle House Duke Box Legend Award? Hank Williams Jr. Kid Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Hank Williams Jr. just seemed like a shoe-in for that, but I, I, I could see Kid Rock. I could see that. And one more chance to redeem yourself. Uh, 2019, who do you think won 2019? Uh, 2019. No idea. Hootie and the Blowfish. Hootie and the Blowfish. Right, which I, I was I, that kind of threw me for a loop. I didn't really associate them with Waffle House, but I, 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 they give me more of like a, an Applebee's vibe than a, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Waffle House vibe. Right, right. I, that's what I would have thought. But hey, uh, congratulations to Hootie and the Blowfish and Kid Rock, I guess. Do you want to hear something interesting? What's that? This is a small transition, but then we can go back. Just because you said Waffle House, uh, there was an article in Delish.com titled, Waffle House is releasing its first official beer. So now there is an official Waffle House beer. It's brewed in Georgia. It's called Bacon and Kegs. <laughs> I love it already. And they said after 60 years in business, known for never closing and serving breakfast 24-7, they are gearing up to release their first beer ever, and it smells like bacon. Have you had this yet? I've not. I've not had it yet, but I. I don't think I've been to a Waffle House in a couple of years. I just can't see myself. You know, in 2020, I can't see myself doing Waffle House takeout. You have to eat it there, or let's just say the pandemic ended magically tomorrow, and then they invited you to the Waffle House Tuny Awards. Would you go? Yeah, I'd go. 
I, I, I would rent a tux. I would dress to the nine. I, I would try to rent a limo so I could be like, like the classiest guy at the Waffle House. But I wouldn't wear like a black, <laughs> you know, I would wear like the powder blue with ruffles. Really play it up. Oh, yeah. That's the only well, way to I would love to go to that. And I would drink that Waffle House beer if they had it there. I'd try it. Yeah. yeah. Bake it in kegs. Well, speaking of achievements in beer, achievements in life, the Waffle House Lifetime Achievement Award, 2020, Leonard Skinner. I could see that. And then 2019, it was Foreigner. So. Foreigner? You know, it's weird. I can kind of see Foreigner. So uh-huh. I would have given it to Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or, or maybe even the Eagles, like early Eagles. I, I could yeah, see. oh yeah, definitely. And they also have a, a couple, there's one I was surprised, they have a top alternative rock band award, which I don't really, really think of Waffle House and alternative rock together, but I believe this year it was Three Doors Down that won the alternative rock award, so. Well, I'm glad they're still making music and doing things. There you go, and there's also a, I hadn't heard of this artist before, but they do. They also do a new Artist of the Year Award called the Scattered, Smothered, and Discovered Artist of the Year Award. <laughs> it was a uh, musician, Ivory Asher. They also do a uh, Waffle House Song of the Year Award, meaning, as you mentioned, it's a song about, it's the best song of the year that's about Waffle House. <laughs> like, like what's on all their jukeboxes. It's songs about Waffle House and their food. But I didn't know it was an ongoing genre. I thought it was just like a couple, like some old songs. Like I didn't know that people were still keeping the Waffle House genre alive. Well, it, it's mainly been underground. You probably haven't. Heard of it. <laughs> so. Well, this year it was Cutting Waffle Head. House Girl by Walker Hayes. <laughs> Sounds like something the Pet Shop Boys would have done. Uh, Waffle House Girls. Duh, 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 duh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Any food news you'd like to share? According to the Associated Press. McDonald's just released the lunch meat burger. It is a burger that can it consists of two thick slices of spam, Oreo cookie crumbles, and mayonnaise. The article says that it provides all the elements for a quote really juicy flavor bomb, unquote. And uh, who doesn't want a really juicy flavor bomb? <laughs> but what you should what our listeners should know is if you want to run out and get that. Spam and Oreo cookie crumble mayo burger, and, and I can understand that it's quite exclusive, only available in China for members only. Only 400,000 are going to be made. So what does that mean, members only? You have to be like a, in a McDonald's like club or something, or it didn't give details, but that's what it <laughs> what is that? exclusive McDonald's club in China. Like if I like if I if we stepped off the plane and went to the mcdonald's there in the airport they'd be like sorry you're not a member right so that's you have to give them a secret handshake and show them the id badge and <laughs> probably do some gesture that involves golden arches or something right but yeah spam oreo cookie crumbles and mayonnaise that's that's a lot to digest and i just don't mean that literally that's would you try that I'll I'll try anything once for the most part. So yeah, I would try it. I I can't imagine I would like it, but but it is a, apparently a really quote juicy flavor bomb. So who knows? Anything like parts of it, like elements of it. There. I guess I would try it. Yeah, I would do it. I'll try any food once. After we make it big at the Tonys, 
the Toonies, then we'll uh, <laughs> that'll show us in for our exclusive membership at the McDonald's Club in China, where we can get access to this uh, to the lunch meat burger. And who doesn't want to eat something called the lunch meat burger? It just sounds so appetizing. That just sounds like something maybe something you would get at the school cafeteria that you like, couldn't tell what meat it was. And then because you were you're feeling creative and dumb, you know, then you crumble Oreos on it and instead of ketchup, you actually put mayonnaise and you're like, well, darn it, I'm just going to eat it anyways. And then right. the rest is history. Exactly. Here, here's a, a, another one. I, usually we always have one pizza related news item on every food news. And today is no exception. According to Uproxx, they introduced a new Pizza Hut item. It's was available until January 7th, so unfortunately, we've all missed it. But it's called the, quote, nothing but the stuffed crust pizza. It is basically a ring of crust <laughs> with no pizza, and it's stuffed with cheese, comes with sauces. It's basically a, like a pizza donut, but it comes in a full-size pizza box because you got to be wasteful. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's basically a stuffed crust with mozzarella cheese. So that that exists that existed in the world. How do you feel about the, about that one? You know what? I would try that too, but without the pizza, I don't know. It's it's like Batman without Robin. It doesn't work. You gotta have gotta have them both. You got anything else? Yes, I do. Oh. So my actually my favorite food news item of 2020. Not to build it up too much, but I will anyway. Chuck E. Cheese, the popular children's restaurant. On some of these delivery apps like Grubhub or Uber Eats, some of the locations have actually changed their their name to Pasquale's Pizza and Wings to, I guess, so that you would order pizza from them, not because people don't want to order pizza from Chuck E. Cheese usually. Apparently, they have a reputation for not the absolute best pizza. So they, they actually took a name of one of their characters from their weird Chuck E. Cheese world, Pasquale, and they... You change their name to that on the so people were ordering from Chuck E. Cheese Pizza and not realizing it. <laughs> There's a it's a character from the franchise called Pasquale P. Pie Plate. Is that the rat? No, the rat was Chuck E. Cheese. Right. Must be one of the other. It still amazes me that. God damn it, I love this. That there was a restaurant out there in America whose mascot is a rat. That's. <laughs> yeah. It's, Pasquale, like a wacky chef. Okay. And he, he's the drummer of uh, the the band from Chuck E. Cheese as well, so he's very versatile in that respect. Someone was like, "Wait a minute, why does Pasquale's Pizza have the same address, exact same address as Chuck E. Cheese?" Their representative for Pasquale's Pizza and Wings said, "They well, we share the same kitchen space with Chuck E. Cheese." <laughs> 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 oh wow I, I love it i love it it's great i mean heck i can't fault Chuck E. cheese i mean they got to do what they got to do to stay in business and that almost be like chili's which is probably one of my least favorite restaurants ever we've we've talked about the be like chili's getting themselves why order from chili's when you can order from la pierre's french bistro and you get and it has the exact same food on the menu right I think it's a genius move. Maybe it's a little saying people aren't going to be like, oh, man, let's get Chuck E. Cheese delivered. But that's Wally's. Yeah, I guess it kind of catches you. 
So buyer beware. If you're not a fan of Chuck E. Cheese pizza, then take precaution there. Yeah, I have a feeling it's going to taste just the same as the rat promoted pizza. The weird bit of trivia, Chuck E. Cheese was founded by Nolan Bushnell, the founder of Atari. Oh, yeah, that is weird, isn't it? I definitely had a lot of a lot of digital hands and a lot of digital pots doing stuff. So, Well, speaking of of that, have you ever seen – there's a documentary called The Rock of Fire Explosion. Have you ever watched that? Oh, no, I haven't heard of it. Yeah, The Rock of Fire Explosion, it's worth a watch. It's – if you don't already know, Chuck E. Cheese and Showbiz Pizza – used to be two different companies, and Showbiz Pizza was basically like a, pretty much the same thing as Chuck E. Cheese. They eventually merged into one company, Chuck E. Cheese. Band pizza business. It's cutthroat. It's, you get swallowed up or you don't. <laughs> Fake animatronic band from Showbiz Pizza is called the Rock of Fire Explosion, which is kind of a pretty cool name, Fake Band. That is a pretty cool name. But the whole documentary is about these dudes who collect collect the animals from the animatronic show and they put them together to make music. One of these guys has them set up in his living room and people come over and he just turns them on and they play like a 50 cent song or something. It's very entertaining. <laughs> it's a very funny documentary. I'm going to put that on my watch list. That I got to watch that. I might watch that tonight. Yeah, it's it. really funny. Did you hear, I, I didn't have this written down in notes, but I read it when I was reading about something else. My extensive food news, weird food news research, because our listeners demand nothing less. KFC has apparently created a video game console. Right, right. That is that is a weird one. With a built-in chicken, fried chicken warmer. So it's like it's a video game console. I mean, it, it it's legit, but it has a container in there that you open up and you can put like a chicken wing and a, and a chicken thigh and you close it and it'll keep your chicken warm while you play games. KFC has some wild marketing. So I've got to, I got to respect them for that. I do. It's, and it comes preloaded with some games. I think it's going to come with that movie. Apparently Mario Lopez is going to be in a, almost like a lifetime style romantic movie. And he plays Colonel Sanders. It's pretty, pretty insane, but I love it. It's, it's really weird. Related to KFC, and this was from 9news.com in Australia. It said that for over 50 years, Japanese families have turned to KFC for the Colonel's 11 Secret Spices as the traditional Christmas dinner. It says that only 1% of the population is considered a Christian, but Japan adopted Christmas as like a secular holiday. And apparently it's become very popular in certain segments of the country to have KFC as your Christmas dinner. When So now KFC markets it and they have what's called the party barrel with the catchphrase Kentucky for Christmas as their advertising slogan. Kentucky for Christmas. I can't think of a more horrifying thing, uh, <laughs> but there it is. I love it. Also related to KFC because they've just been been knocking it out of the park recently. At least in China so far, they have they actually have roaming autonomous KFC vending machines. <laughs> I so love it. It's a robot KFC vehicle that looks like a walk up and there's like a window and you open it. And I guess you pay and you pull out a chicken sandwich or whatever out of it. It just it. Actually, there's no human that is in the vehicle, so it's just 
it's really just a vending machine, so you don't even have to talk to anyone. You just touch the screen and order stuff, I guess. It's just, it's like a robot. There's no human in it. Right, yeah. There's not even, I don't think there's even any room for a human in it. It's like so small. It needs an animatronic human, like Johnny Cab from Total Recall. Oh my god, I, love, <laughs> I do love Johnny Cab. You've reached Chicken Cab. And <laughs> that would be awesome, yeah. If you don't pay, then it explodes violently. <laughs> I, I think that's pretty cool, actually. I, I think more companies should, a vending machine that's not just, doesn't just have chips in it, and like, I want a little bit more out of my vending machine in 2021 than that. They could technically have one that has beer in it, as long as you can show North Carolina driver's license for those that aren't North Carolinian, uh, have barcodes on the back. Right. And if you want to buy a lottery ticket from a vending machine, you could do the same thing. Scan it and it spits out a lottery ticket or it gives you a selection of beer or wine or chicken nuggets or whatever you want to eat. You know, sometimes you want to stuff your face, but you don't want to go talk to someone. You just, you just want to binge eat some food, but you don't want to have to. You want the food to come to you. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think the movie Terminator would have been cool if instead of like a robot army of Terminators. It would these Pizza Hut and KFC robots. That would be really cool. Come with me if you want to fill your belly. I'd be down for that. Speaking of food, I want to play some more music. And when I say speaking of food, I have a one of my other favorite tracks of the year is a band from Boston called Sweeping Promises. And they have a track called Hunger for a Way Out. You just heard a track called Design by a band called Gustav. That's a band from Brooklyn, New York. They only have a couple songs out, so a fairly new band there. They kind of had a Talking Heads vibe in there, particularly musically. I love the bass, love the drum, guitar, that really weird, funky vibe that the heads give off. Early heads, too. I, I liked it. I believe it contained at least one member of another band called Shark Muffin, which I love that band name, Shark Muffin. Shark Muffin. That's a good name, but... And I have to say this because we have to mention this every episode. It's it's like the law now. Shark Muffin's good, but they're no uh, German beef initiative. <laughs> I'm going to carry that torch forever. <laughs> and before before Gustav, you heard a band out of Nashville, Tennessee called Bully. And the track was called Where to Start. Great band uh, on the Sub Pop Records label. That album's called Sugar Egg. Before Bully, you heard a band out of the Boston, Massachusetts area. They're called Sweeping Promises, and the track was called Hunger for a Way Out. I like them all. We never play anything bad on this show. That's just... <laughs> Some people might disagree, but that's okay. They're, they're allowed to. For now. Right. They just don't know uh, what real music is, right? So. That's right. You don't know what real music is until you kill, kill an Applebee's or... A... Or, or something like that. <laughs> you say, now that's what I call music. <laughs> Quote the uh, famous commercial. I actually have one of those albums. I think it's called like Pure Energy. The one of those KTEL albums. You know. That oh just... yeah. And I have another one called Radioactive. Those things are great. I mean, they're just they're these really cheesy compilation albums. It's like the mixtape on vinyl. The last time I went back to the store to look for some, they didn't have any. And I'm like, man, because they're cheap. They're like five bucks each. And so I'm like, right. I want many of these as I can. Yeah, it's kind of lost art. That was actually one day I was watching a bunch, a playlist of those on YouTube because of all the commercials on TV of all these albums. One of my favorites is the Pure Moods one from the 90s. If you remember that one. Oh, yeah. Um, all the New Age stuff. That was that one's just <laughs> just like takes me back. 
Disco Fever from the 70s, which was like disco hits. Oh, yes. Disco Inferno. and I think it's Disco Fever's the commercial where the, the guy and the girl are talking on the phone and she says, she's like, I got this new disco album. And the guy's like, I love disco and I hear it's making a comeback. <laughs> or or, uh, or Freedom Rock. Oh, that's, a, that's another great one. That Freedom Rock, yeah, man, we'll turn it up. And like, <laughs> like, these overstated hippie, I mean, just like, even deadheads wouldn't dress that deadhead. I mean, it's yeah, it's very like a it's like a TV show where they hire someone to be like an extra, like oh you're the hippie guy or whatever. Or what, there was that what punk rock. Oh yeah, punk, <laughs> great. punk. I saw uh, the one I really always love is think of as monster ballads, like all the hair metal songs. Do you remember that one? Yeah. It's like every bad boy has a soft side. <laughs> <laughs> This couple is jumping out of an airplane and they're like holding the CD in the air while they're jumping out of the airplane and they're like, "This is awesome." Man, I want to, I want to film a commercial like that. I, I think I have the talent to do it. I've never filmed a commercial before, but darn it, I, I think I can do it. Well, well, speaking of media and commercials, what kind of media have you been digesting this last year or so? The theaters a bust, concerts a bust, live shows and all that. A lot of it's just been streaming on my phone, particularly when I'm driving to my job. Podcasts, something I listen to a lot. And of course, vinyl. I haven't really purchased a lot of vinyl this year just because it's just gotten harder to get out. My kid's doing remote learning, so I'm either at work or I'm at home. But I, I, did, I bought a few new albums. A lot of vinyl, a lot of podcasts, a lot of streaming. Good stuff. Anything uh, you'd like to recommend? If I had to go to podcasts, Probably one of my favorites is called Stuff You Should Know. It's just these two guys, and they just talk about a topic until they exhaust what they can talk about. Like they, one episode, they might talk about gangrene. Another episode, they'll talk about the Cannonball Run, which was actually a real thing, not just the Dom DeLuise, Burt Reynolds movie. And then another time, they'll talk about hyperbaric chambers. And it's just interesting, but it's not heavy. There's another one called... This might not be a surprise, but I love the book Dune uh, and, and the cheesy 80s movie. But there's a podcast called Let's Get Weirding, which is a Dune podcast um, uh, by these two wonderful ladies. I can't one of them's name is Bo North. I can't remember the other. And they're doing a chapter by chapter summary. They put in a lot of their own opinion in it. And it's just really fun to listen to. And then, of course, my favorite as of late, which you recommended, was Rivals, which I have fallen in love with that podcast. That, that's that been fantastic. If you haven't heard Rivals, it's rivalries in the music world. A lot of inner band drama, different bands against each other. and It's just a really entertaining show and really well made. And they really get down to even just the nitty gritty facts of uh, these weird rivalries. And some of them are pretty insane, I think. <laughs> like, very entertaining. but And they're, it's really well researched. But it's also one thing I, I what I really like about that show is it's very fair. Those was Sting versus the police. And it's easy to just to think, oh, well, Sting was the dick and he broke up the police. But then at the end, they do what's called the pro side. And they have to say, well, you know, what did Sting bring to the band that made them successful? And so they really kind of and what did Copeland and Summers do that might have contributed to the downfall of the police or the breakup? So they kind of. They kind of act like a defense attorney for both sides. It is very balanced. Well, do you have a favorite episode of the show? 
I, I definitely like Sting versus the Police because I'm a big Police fan. I, I like David Byrne and Talking Heads. I, I thought one of the funniest was Creed versus Limp Biscuit. That's one of those very underrated rivalries. I feel like it really was. I never even knew they were rivals, but you, you know it's going to be a special episode when the host is one of the hosts is going. You know, I really hate being feeling like I have to be a defense attorney for Creed, but this is what I have to do. And he has to sit there and find ways to defend Creed in this lab. <laughs> other guy's trying to defend Limp Biscuit. Yeah, it's kind of tough in that way to sort of pick a side in that one, I feel like. They're both very, I don't know, that's a very of-its-time rivalry from 1999, I feel like. It's almost like Creed was the shittier band, but Limp Biscuit was the entirely was the instigator of every or durst himself was instigated every step of it yeah yeah definitely so that you kind of have a hard time picking at least i had a hard time picking a favorite in that battle but who do i who not who i like more but who i hate less (laughs) (laughs) right exactly but i was gonna say my favorite is the uh, pavement versus smashing pumpkins episode that's in my queue because I'm listening them out of order until I catch up, but that's in my queue. It's a very odd one. Some rivalries are interesting because they're really blown up on one side and not on the other. <laughs> I, I can see Billy Corgan, someone that easily gets into rivalries, kind of like right, very Durst-esque. I also like Michael Jackson versus Prince. One of the neatest, what they analyzed out of all of that was, while Michael Jackson is the king of pop, quote unquote, and he's probably going to sell sold more albums than, than God, they said when it comes to the entire test of time, people will probably remember Prince more for what he's created and what he innovated, and he had a more distinct style, where Michael Jackson's came off as more manufactured and some of his history is a little tainted where Prince was generally on the up and up and right seven days out of the week I'd rather listen to Prince than Michael Jackson I really like when Prince was trying to do his new wave kind of stuff yeah like controversy that thing is really cool controversy is great yeah that was right before that was right before 1999 I think and uh, my favorite Prince song is you got the look you got the look. Was that from the Was that from the Batman soundtrack? I think it was a little little before that. Although the Batman soundtrack is is which, something too. Which was weird that Prince did a Batman soundtrack, but then it was all it's also cool at the same time. Yeah, know? and I think that's one that's forgotten, which uh, by for some reason, but because everyone always thinks of I think other stuff with Batman. But yeah, I've also really been into. There's a YouTube show called VCR Party. Have you seen VCR Party? I have not. It's a weekly show on YouTube, and it's by these two guys who, back in the touring days, of course, they had a a show they would do called the Found Footage Festival. Essentially, they go go to thrift stores and collect weird old 80s exercise video clips and stuff like that, and they they would put it play it on like a live comedy show where they commentate on it. It's really funny, but they do it on YouTube every week. It's been real entertaining for me as far as like a good show to watch during quarantine and they have a bunch of episodes of it but in, they found some really weird phenomenons on the internet there's this thing i had no idea about is on youtube it's called imgs imgs is so you find a video on youtube that's like img 
space 0213 or something. And basically what that means is some some people's cameras or phones will, I guess they don't realize that it automatically up, uploads videos to YouTube. And they're finding it and posting it? or, or... Right. And so these videos, they don't have any description. They don't have any caption or anything. It just says IMG in a random number. It, the, the videos only have two or three views. So they're not videos that were meant to be uploaded to YouTube, but they're there. So they're very strange. <laughs> <There's>... Really? What... <laughs> yeah, they, they just they find those every week and show them. And some of them are really weird. But someone doing a weird surgical procedure and people just saying stuff that doesn't make sense, digging up rocks in their backyard, weird, just, just random stuff. Check it out. I definitely want to check out VCR Party. Yeah, it's really entertaining. One really cool YouTube show, and you might like it, that I was lis- listening to a lot during the, the quarantine, and there's a, a YouTube channel called Company Man. So it's, it's this guy, and they never show him. He's just Company Man. And he talks about businesses, like why they were successful or why they failed. But like, if you want to know why Long John Silver's fell, like what led to their demise, oh. he like analyzes it. But it's not heavy. It's not. It does it in a very entertaining and light way. The rise and fall of Radio Shack. Radio Shack had a really neat history, as you. Oh yeah, it. yeah, definitely. The thing that caused Long John Silver's to fail was at one point magazine was ranking the most unhealthy fast food meals in his in uh, in america <laughs> it was a long john silver's meal that like this giant box of deep fried fish and fries and hush puppies and it was like three thousand calories and <laughs> and that one designation alone really hurt their business and yeah it's just I'm not into businessy things, but this is one that I'm just enough business that I can watch without it sounding very pop culture esque, right? Yeah. You want to know why Blockbuster failed? Why there's only one left? Which we still need to go to that. I'm, I'm waiting for the Dunderbacks episode because I want answers. Ooh, thanks for reminding me. I watched a documentary recently called The Last Blockbuster about the uh, the last Blockbuster in Bend, Oregon that still exists and they're still keeping it going, and it's it's kind of heartwarming in a weird uh, kind of unexpected way. I heard they're trying to turn into like an Airbnb. Because I guess during the pandemic times, they were looking at that as a viable option. The manager of the Blockbuster, she hand knits winter hats for the Blockbuster hats. Because <laughs> they're the only one left, right? I'd wear the fuck out of that. And they still run part of their, I guess their inventory system is partially run on a floppy disk. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, it's a very fun documentary to watch. If you want a really good nostalgic trip back in time, I definitely recommend The Last Blockbuster. I, I remember when I was in college, my in my undergrad years, every Friday was got out of class and went straight to Blockbuster, and I was renting three or four tapes, and then that was your Friday night with friends. And but man, you got a rewinder. They charge. They would charge you an arm and a leg if you didn't rewind, if you didn't return on time. You lost your card, <laughs> card. I mean, they found every way to get money out of you until they figured out that people could just do Netflix. I have many fond memories of the Blockbuster, if there is such a thing as fond Blockbuster memories. But, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's cool. I actually had some video games for my PS1 that were used Blockbuster games. Oh, yeah. I don't know if someone stole them and sold them to a GameStop or something, but I used to have a few 
Crash Bandicoot with the blockbuster rental box and the little tag on, on the disc with a serial Kind of an iconic box, if you think about it. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's recognizable. Another media thing, and of course, I guess this doesn't count for 2020, but when 2021 hit, actually, I did technically start this in 2020, like a couple of days before the year ended. I'm trying to listen to 20 new albums before February 1st, which doesn't, doesn't sound that hard, but mainly something I listen to on my commute. And that's how I listen to Public Practice, which you recommended. That was a fantastic band. But yeah, people are just sending me their recommendations of an album to listen to, and I'm listening to it. And even if it's something I hear and I'm like, man, this is not my style, I'm sitting through the whole album, a 90% I found enjoyment out of. One of the most interesting was Bill Mummy, who played Will Robinson in the Lost in Space show. Apparently he's done several albums, and so I listened to one of his albums on the recommendation of a friend. Musically, not my jam. I don't think. I was going to ask you, what does that sound like? Almost very kind of generic rock. His voice is, he has a softer spoken voice, so the music kind of overpowers him, I think. Anything you compare it to, maybe, or not? Uh, Just kind of like a pop. Think of Rick Astley if you didn't (laughs) have that, if you didn't have that voice. So Rick Astley was like a nerd? Is that what you're saying? Kind of. But. His, but the thing about Bill Mummy was his lyrics are really good. Almost reminded me of like Warren Zevon. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I do I like Warren Zevon. I'm like, man, this music's not my jam. And the voice is eh. But when I'm listening to the lyrics, I'm like, wow, this is really good. I mean, if so I, I would give props. Another band called Dogleg, kind of like an indie rock band I enjoy. Another one called Nano War of Steel, which is almost <laughs> like this goofy it's like if iron maiden did comedy you know they just write into it it's like that the speed metal or like the heavy metal but with just goofy lyrics and goofy themes jesse ware who's a british singer does kind of poppy disco dancey stuff but everything i've listened to almost everything i've enjoyed it's been a i'm definitely going to do more than 20 albums before the first because i'm enjoying this so much it's just such a great little because concerts and going to places, Slims or Poorhouse or Ruby Deluxe, haven't been doing that. And not going to concerts or music fests. And that's where, and us doing the show in the studio. So that's how I discovered a lot of my music. Right. With that avenue of knowledge, so to speak, taken away, I kind of gotten very static and listening to a lot of this, just the same stuff. So this is kind of a way to reawaken my passion for music and it's people I recommend it just ask your friends to send you some recommendations and listen to them no matter what you won't regret it it's worthwhile experiment well speaking of passion for music Mariah Carey I learned in 2020 one of my favorite music stories of the year was that she actually recorded a grunge album did you know about her (laughs) lost long lost grunge album that she recorded this is a real thing I believe you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just sitting here like expressionless because I'm trying to figure out my brain cannot form thoughts around the terms Mariah Carey and grunge. 1995, she was recording her Daydream album. And I guess she, well, I'll just read the quote from her. I was playing with the style of the breezy grunge, which I love that term breezy grunge. 
breezy grunge punk light white female singers who were popular at the time you know the ones who seem to be so carefree with their feelings and their image they could be angry angsty and messy with old shoes wrinkled slips and unruly eyebrows while every movie i made was so every move i made was so calculated and manicured i wanted to break free let loose and express my misery but i also wanted to laugh totally looked forward to doing my alter ego band sessions after daydream each night so what she did was she she had a roommate who was a singer by the name of clarissa dane was in a band called chick c-h-i-c-k and so apparently mariah carey produced wrote and sang on each she sang backup vocals on the on the album the album's called someone's ugly daughter it's not on any streaming platforms but it's out of print but it's it's on you there's some of the stuff's on youtube so you can hear it on youtube but um, there's a song called malibu which is very very up 90s i guess <laughs> i don't know how else to put it i guess this was this all came out of mariah carey's autobiography but she mentioned there's there's some version of the album with her on lead vocals is, is she wearing uh, flannel <laughs> I wish it's never the version with Mariah Carey on lead vocals has never seen the light of day. I guess she does back up on the album itself, but there's actually a some version out there somewhere. She said she was looking into trying to track it down the version with her singing on it. So you know, I'm not a I'm not a Mariah Carey fan, but if she wanted to do a grunge album, I'm down with that because I guess she's done like the diva pop diva power pop style music i guess I, I really don't know what the genre would be called that she does pop i don't know i don't know what else to call it really just pop yeah, just pop yeah but i mean if she wants to try to do something outside of her comfort zone and do something different even if it sucked and i'm just predicting that it probably did suck <laughs> i mean i'll salute her for the effort you know the more i heard about it i was like you know i kind of i gotta respect it because as a child, as a I was a kid in the 90s, I kind of grew up on on her music. My mom was always listening to the soft rock station, and they're always they were always playing Phil Collins and Mariah Carey and Brian Adams. So I feel like it was all those three and maybe Celine Dion just alternating turns every five minutes. So <laughs> you gotta have Celine Dion, Power of Love, right. buddy. <laughs> so the thing I thought was interesting about it was that everything about her life is just completely controlled she has a i'm not saying that's her fault if you're a pop star it's like they tell you okay you're gonna you're gonna eat at 2 p.m and then you're gonna go shoot this video at 3 p.m and then you're gonna do this interview for your whole life is controlled right you're gonna play this style of music and, and i don't here's think the that's gonna write or the gal that's gonna write your music for you and then you just need to sing it yeah Right, so her whole life is controlled, and I don't think the record label wanted her to release a grunge album, which is too bad, because, I don't know, I think it's interesting that she was willing to take a chance on doing something different, because everything in this pop world is like, oh, well, you have to sell, especially at a time, it's like, oh, you have to sell, like, 50 billion albums. She wanted to try something that maybe wouldn't have gotten her in the top 10, but who knows, maybe it would have. It's just, I just think it's interesting. I, re I respect it. I think it's, I, I even if it doesn't work, and they don't pull that pull it off. Any any artist musician that wants to do something that's really outside their genre, if they can make it work, even if they don't make it work, they're I'll salute the effort. I mean, look at Brian Setzer. You know he was doing rockabilly with the Stray Cats, and then he did his orchestra, which is a different style, and 
So you get good things out of it too. Right, right, exactly. Go Mariah Carey. I, I can't believe I ever said those words, but <laughs> good for good for you, Mariah. I, I salute the effort. If I can, if if we can ever find that album, that'll I'm going to add that to my new album before February 1st and beyond. I'll listen to that. Well, and I just enjoy someone doing trying something that's totally out of their wheelhouse. Absolutely. Even if it doesn't work. Better to regret what you did than what you didn't do. As, oh, absolutely. As the thing goes, so I'd rather try than fail than not try. Which is why I fail a lot, but I don't regret it. <laughs> <laughs> well, one more amusing thing I discovered in 2020 was in the 60s, there was a psychedelic, a little bit of a prog element there. It was a band called Coven. It was like satanic psychedelic rock from the 60s. They have an album called Witchcraft Destroys Minds and Reaps Souls. Nice. It's from 1969. There's a song called Black Sabbath on the album, and the, the bass player's name is Oz Osborne. <laughs> like, that, what? <laughs> that's... No relation to Black Sabbath, the band. It almost sounds like, I mean, I, I don't know the band. One, I'm, I'm amazed that an album with that title got published back in the 60s. The rise that got past the censors. Um, well, I think what happened was shortly after that, you know, the the Manson murders happened, and they actually pulled the album from stores. Oh wow, that would make sense. Enough. Right. They should pull an album because of what happened, but I could see that kind of reaction back then. It almost sounds like, just from what you described, like a garage band or a high school band where they really liked Black Sabbath and really liked Ozzy Osbourne. And so they modeled, it almost sounds like a Sabbath tribute band. Right. It's like a satanic version of Shocking Blue, you know, the original band that did that song, Venus. It kind of reminds me of that a little bit. Does it have those little, those warpy sounding vocals? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. It, I, I, it sounds very 60s, I'll just say that. It sounds like a band that would have opened for like Iron Butterfly, except they're satanic, so it's a little, <laughs> it's a little wild there in that did respect. They have out over the O? I don't know about that, but they, although that, that would make sense. Gotta have an umlaut or else. Yeah, that makes, you know, you're listening to a real rock band, so. Can't take you seriously without an umlaut, or if the E's backward or upside down in or something. If you look at the album cover for Witchcraft Destroys Minds and Reap Souls, it's very evil. Years ago, I was at a record convention, and it was in some bin, and I pulled it out, and I was like, what the hell is this? Super expensive. It was like some first pressing of the album or something, so I, I didn't get it. But I remember seeing it and being like, what? What is this? I didn't think there were actual satanic bands in, and I obviously think it's tongue-in-cheek, but I just didn't think there were bands with that kind of theme in the 60s. It just seemed so ridiculous that I thought I would have heard of it by now, but then it, it, came, it came across me recently, and I... I was like, oh, yeah, I remember seeing this. I couldn't remember the name of the band. It was the problem. Which so, Roy's Minds and Reap Souls. Yeah, the album name by uh, Covens. Should we get to some more music here? Let's spin some stuff. You brought some tracks we're going to play as well, I believe. Yeah, yeah. One of them is from a, a small local band from Frederick, Maryland back in the 80s. They released a cassette tape <laughs> called The Skeptics. I was blown away when I actually found it on YouTube, and then I found it on Google Play. This was like 82, 83. I never would have thought that I'd ever find that band again, because I used to just have it on a little cassette tape, and I'd listen to it with my cassette player, not even a Walkman. So yeah. Did you ever get a chance to see them? 
I was only like 12 or 13. My sister, she was like friends, I think, with a couple of band members. She'd go to their practices. The Skeptics, Acid Rain. Acid Rain. And it's a good, actually a solid song about the devastating effects of Acid Rain, which was a big thing in the 80s. What you heard was the song Compromised by Public Practice. I really liked it that band that was actually when i'm doing my new albums matt you 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 introduced me to that band and i fell in love with them they gave me an early police blondie go-go's uh even a little bit of the waitresses and i really dug that album that's probably right now my favorite of everything that's i've been listening to it's a cool cool label called wharf cat records uh, that was put out on a band from brooklyn new york they they were phenomenal. The second one was a song, and I love this title, uh, Delicious Strawberry Flavored Death, with an exclamation point at the end, because they wanted it. <laughs> and that's a band called Atomic Mosquitoes. Uh, I think that's a code word for Strawberry Yoo-Hoo. It wouldn't surprise me, because that it, it always describes itself, Yoo-Hoo, as a chocolate drink, which... <laughs> right. Which is like, okay, what does that mean? It's not like milk you don't have to refrigerate or something? Yeah, it's weird. Chocolate drink. Yeah. You think that's like when you, when you use Sunny D as an orange drink, not orange juice. It's an orange drink. It's like Right, exactly. It's very suspicious there. They're out of Maryland, Frederick, Maryland. And that's off the album Bug Music for Bug People. And if listeners put that album in the Google machine or whatever they have, it looks up, the artwork looks amazingly like the cover to Bad Music for Bad People by the Cramps because the same artist did it. And he's in the band by the name of Steve Blickenstaff. I love his art style, that really weird, bizarre, but very well done art style. And then the, the last thing we lis- listened to was another band from Frederick, Maryland, The Skeptics with their song Acid Rain, which we talked about a little bit earlier. That so was really it, cool. I I did not, I've never heard of that band before. It, it, they only did one cassette tape. And you know, as I said, I was blown away when I actually found it on YouTube. And then I, then I figured, well, maybe a band person just posted it up there. But then I found it on YouTube music and I'm like, whoa. And then on different streaming services. So I had it on a cassette tape. It really made me think of something you'd hear on like college radio in between hearing the replacements or pixies or something like that. It's really, really cool college radio vibe. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I loved it. And Tommy Mosquitoes gave me that garage California surf punky sound, that really high energy, high guitar, 60s beat kind of sound to it. I really dug it. Loved it all. I'm kind of a sucker for surf rock. It's just a sound that, I don't know, it's just a very comforting sound to me. It's hard to be in a bad mood when I'm listening to surf rocks. You're right. It's it's very uplifting to me just because it's high energy. It's kind of like a positive, happy sound. It's without trying to be bubblegum. It's just high energy. And I, yeah, I agree. It's, it's yeah, comforting is a good word. Comforting and it's fun. Just fun. Like I might be mad if Dick Dale is playing in the background like i don't know it's, it's hard to be or like any mention any surf band uh la Luz of more recent fame is a band that i really like a lot that's become one of my most listened bands as of late it's been a taunt mosquitoes quite the discography check them out but i think banana gun might be my new favorite and i actually mean that in the 
most honest sense of the word because man, I you know, just love... saying that because you're you're talking to me right now. No, I 100% mean that. I really enjoyed that. I like music that's happy and fun and uplifting because that's the kind of mood I generally want to be in. Although you know, every once in a while you want to be in joy division mood, but we've had enough joy division mood in 2020, so it's time. Uh, yeah. It's time for some atomic mosquitoes and banana gun and time to feel good because things are going to get better. They're getting there better. There you go. Going to be positive. Did you have a song that you wanted to end on? Yeah. So this was a band I discovered over Christmas. My nephew was was playing. I mean, I started listening and I fell in love with this band. It's a band called Crumb. And I believe they're from Brooklyn. And it's off their album Jinx. The song is called And It Never Ends. Very slow, chill, almost a psychedelic jazz sound. Is this and a song about 2020? It could be. <laughs> Although but, it, did, it did end eventually, so it did end, hopefully. But but the, the the lead singer, her voice is just gorgeous, and I love it. And they have another album called Locket that's also really good. So another band worth. They're almost like the opposite of Atomic Mosquitoes. They're not frenetic and happy. They're chill and just really good. So another band I can wholeheartedly recommend. I recommend all the bands. So is there anywhere out there on the internet people can find you if they want to? Shout you uh, out or, or yell at you for your musical taste. I, I am at Funkasonics with an X on the end on, on the Twitterverse. I do have a, a stupid blog that is 100% guaranteed to waste your time called the Funky Grognard <laughs> on Tumblr because it's free and easy. And that's probably the two best places to find me. And I have an Instagram. Uh, I'm Funky Grognard on Instagram. So that's me. How about you? Well, you can find me on David Gibbs Radio on Instagram. Facebook, Twitter, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, you can listen to the show, uh, like we mentioned, on Spotify. I mean, you can hear us on the – you can still hear us talking on any other form podcasting app. You can also go to damagegoodsradio.com, and you can find us there too. Find, listen to some old interviews. The website is, is very solid. 100% recommend it. You don't have to say that just because I made it. <laughs> I think I can use some improvement, but that's just, I'm an artist being an artist, right? So I'm never happy with my own work. I'm the practical guy. It works for me, so I'm happy. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, here is Crumb with And It Never Ends. Until next time, everyone. Have a good one.